This is Soul Over the Bones, a podcast for rewilding by Liz Glenn. I am fangirling over this one. I am joined in this episode by the powerful Miriam Ropschitz of Moonbody, who is self-described as a writer, women's work leader, a menstrual and sexual wisdom guide who is dedicated to studying tantric practices in ceremony with plant teachers and who hosts transformative retreats, festivals, and workshops around the world. You are going to love this episode. I hope you enjoy. It is such an honor to have you on my podcast. You are such a huge inspiration to me. I love absolutely everything that you put out. If you want, go ahead and give a little introduction to my listeners. Sure. Thank you so much for having me, love. So kind of you. My name is Miriam Ropschitz. I am a guide for women who are finding their way back to a womb-led way of life. So I like to call my work the feminine spiritual path. We focus on the cities, the powers of the womb, menstruation and sexuality and then beyond that many many other things and loving the earth and the goddess and embodiment and all yeah all of the sacred aspects of life which is everything really (laughs) yes absolutely Mm, that is just absolutely so so beautiful and it resonates so strongly with me just this year I have really put an emphasis on reconnecting to my cycles and seasons because I've placed a greater emphasis on this, of course, I've come to find you and your work. And it's just been an absolute endless treasure trove. I feel like you are constantly putting out new work, new materials, new retreats. You're constantly giving to your audience and having ways for them to connect with you. So one of the things that I saw that really stood out to me was, I believe it was a course, correct me if I'm wrong, the pornification of the dark feminine. Was this a course that you ran last year, was it? It's a, it's about a course I run every year called Dark Feminine Medicine that's going to run in its fourth year this winter. But the, that was a piece of work around DFM. Okay. Explain to me, you had done a post, I guess it was that I saw that said the pornification of the dark feminine, and you had done subsequent posts as well that just show how society has taken what is sacred and what is beautiful and precious and has sort of spun it in a way that is dirty or unclean. Or do you want to talk a little bit about that, about what that means, the pornification of the dark feminine? Of course, my dear, I'd love to. So I think there's two slightly separate pieces of my work there that I can name. Dark feminine medicine speaks about the medicine of the dark feminine, obviously, and about how the dark feminine or the dark mother or the dark goddess, this dark aspect of life that has a very feminine characteristic to it, how this has been misconstrued and associated with things that are evil or sinful or negative. And we can see this in all walks of life. We can see it, for example, in racism, this idea that darker skin has connotations of, you know, 
whatever the racist trope is of that uh, particular culture. Um, for example, in Victorian England, it was wanting to have light skin because it denoted that you were not somebody working outside. So it was a class, had origins in class. And then in general, the kind of the, as I spoke about in the introduction, these powers of the feminine, of the womb, of birth, of menstruation, these are very much times where women go into the mystery. And so the dark, I always like to say, we have this idea that the dark feminine is evil, but actually she is just a personification of the moon. So if you think the moon is evil, which most of us know it's not, then we know that these qualities are not evil either. They're just mysterious and magical, which are things that our hyper-rational culture forgot about, even though they were absolutely essential aspects to early humans' existence. So that's that's that part. And then the pornification part is how, over the last few years that I've been working with the dark feminine, she's become a trend. And a lot of people are bringing her through in this hypersexualized way. And she is an antidote to hypersexuality, to pornification. And so to twist her and make her this objectified version of herself, there's something very perverse about that. And that's what I was naming in that pornification of the dark femme post that you mentioned. Mm, yes, I feel like that is so, so powerful. So true. I do feel that there are so many, of course, everything is rooted and it goes so far back. You've talked in your posts about Inanna, the dark goddess, and how that story has been twisted into what we now know as modern day Christianity. And and it was sort of borrowed from that story. Do you want to talk a little bit more about that? I could do, yes, sure, love. So that particular story, and I want to say for anyone who's listening that typically Anana's sister, Eresh Gagal, is thought of as the dark goddess of the two, but I'm saying that Anana is a dark goddess in that she goes on an underworld pilgrimage. So, you know, she has these qualities of darkness and descent, and she herself embodies the duality of the mystery. So she's a goddess of fertility, but also death a goddess of love, but also of war. There's this, she is so many contradictions within one goddess. And um, yeah, that story you're speaking about. So there's, there are, Anana is not the only version of this story, but there are many um, stories of descent and resurrection that precede the story of Easter and the story of Jesus's resurrection and the church and Christianity has this tendency to appropriate pre-Christian myths and stories and use them. For example, the winter solstice, the return of the sun is Christmas, the return of the son of God, which is Jesus, you know? So there are so many of these that we can point to. And yeah, so the resurrection story has many, many parallels with the story of Anana's descent and of several other similar stories of that same descent resurrection vein. Yeah, it does feel as though a lot of the different ancient myths and rituals and things that were once sacred to a different group of people, primarily 
I'm speaking to what I know, and that is pagans were viewed as evil or unclean or sinful, which it all comes back to what you're saying, even in in the dark feminine and how that has been twisted and created to be unclean or bad, or it has these negative connotations. I've seen a lot of different rituals that were originally very pure in nature, just love of nature, love of the natural cycles and seasons. And these were twisted to be bad or evil. And then modern Christianity has sort of taken those things and and made it their own. I grew up in the Catholic religion, and I was even told that Jesus's birth was believed to have been in spring, and yet they still celebrated it in December. And I feel that from what I have researched, what I've read, what I've learned, it's really just an effort to overpower and to reclaim for themselves something that isn't theirs. It's sort of this mindset of taking over, of reclaiming something that isn't theirs to claim or take and turning it into what they wanted it to be. Of course, this isn't modern day Christians, but Christians thousands of years ago. Could you tell me more about your origins in womb healing and and womb medicine and and how you got your origins in in this awakening? Mm, sure, love. So like most people who follow something that they love, it comes from a place of where they needed it. So I used to have really painful cycles, really painful periods, heavy periods, really bad pianists as a young person, as a teenage girl. And then I got put on the pill, age 13 till 19. So for six years, I took the pill. And as anyone who's taken the pill knows, what this does is it, you don't have proper cycles. It suppresses your cycle and you have a fake bleed or some pills you don't bleed at all. So obviously when I got off the pill, my cycles weren't any better, they were actually worse. And then at 19, which I look back on very gratefully, I had the foresight to stop taking the pill. One day I was in my bedroom and for some reason I had a look at the instructions that come with the pill I was on. And I saw that there was about a 10 page side effects list of all the things that taking the pill predisposes you to. Some of the some of them are, you know, thrombosis, high blood pressure, uh, increased risk of breast cancer. Um, it didn't say this, but this is one clitoral shrinkage. Um, mm. It of minerals. Yeah, clitoral shrinkage is <laughs> that will get people off the pill. This is why I like to name it because yes, when they yeah. get that, they think, "What? I don't want my clitoris to shrink." I have never heard that before. Wow. Well, yeah, because when you think about what it's doing to your hormones, it makes sense. It starts to change shapes of your female anatomy. And so then I started to look at ways of healing naturally, healing my periods, and I found them. I found that there were ways that you could not have long, heavy, painful periods and PMS. And that in itself opened me up to seeing the world in a different way. That daddy doctor is not holding the wisdom that I was seeking. 
Mm. A lot of our modern world is set up in that sense where we have these institutions and these patriarchal ideas of who holds the wisdom. And from there, everything began to unravel and brought me back to my body and back to my center and back to this yeah, way of living close to the earth and cyclically and unearthing what I call the feminine spiritual path, which is the path of the body and the path of the earth. Mm, and it couldn't be more natural or more beautiful. Or more simple or more free, <laughs> free of charge. <laughs> I love that. You're so right that big pharma, especially living here in America, it's just become such a business. It's become such a corruption. It's the antithesis of what we actually need. And we're told that this is the only way, if not the best way, to be able to care for our bodies. When in reality, it's really just, it has no means to an end. I also experienced very heavy, painful periods. And last year, I had gone through a period of time in which I thought for sure something had ruptured. It was like I was experiencing that pain, that uterine pain, even far beyond my moon cycle. It was happening to me all month long. So I go in for a CT scan. I go in for an ultrasound. I get all of the blood tests done. I see just about every single specialist and doctor under the sun. And nobody has any answers for me. And that's because it's beyond that realm of expertise, of specialty. The same thing or a very similar thing, I'm on antidepressants. And of course, that's a means to an end, but that's not a solution. Either I have to up my dosage or get off of it and it doesn't actually cure anything. I'm just continually putting into my body these fake chemicals that are lab created. And of course, it's just, it's not actually healing or solving the problem. It's a Band-Aid at the very best. So tell me what that looks like in your everyday, day-to-day life. How do you connect with the goddess? What are some of your daily, weekly, monthly, yearly rituals that you, I'm sure there's so many more than you can recount here, but if you want to share with us some of those and, and kind of give us a glimpse into what that looks like for you. Of course, with pleasure. So, you know, being outside as much as we can is so important these days, getting away from the screen, using the screen and technology consciously, spending as much time breathing the fresh air and feet on the ground. And, you know, I live in a beautiful part of the world, I I believe, with Somerset Levels, known as Avalon in England. And so I'm out there with my dog as much as I can be every day, walking and running and yeah, just being close to the land, being in the garden, digging, putting my hands in the soil. This is, I would say this is one of the most foundational things we humans can do is to repair this abrupt severance that we've experienced from the earth. And, you know, maybe you don't have a garden, someone who's listening, maybe you're living in a city, there are ways we can do that. We can go to a park, you know, find somewhere green, 
start small, whatever that looks like. If you bleed, start to bring your blood and offer it somewhere to the land and, you know, start to nurture a connection. I would say the simpler, the better with all this stuff. You don't need fancy things. It doesn't have to be complex. The best rituals are those that are in you already and they just need intuition and space to come out. So it might be that you light a candle and you say a prayer. It could be that you just go out to your special place in nature and feel connected and loved in that place and smell the roses, something like this. But then if you want to get more into the body, my favorite practices are breast massage as a way to balance hormones. So anyone who's experiencing hormonal imbalance, this is such a simple practice you can do every day where you are using some kind of oil that's, you know, healthy and, and beautiful and ideally that smells nice as well. I love to use rose oil for my breast massage or gardenia oil or pomegranate oil. And you're just massaging your breasts every day for five minutes. Well, I like to take a day off. So five or six days a week is more than enough. That's one of my key practices. Women who've worked with me for, you know, for five years are still doing breast massage every day because it really works. Something I like to do is ask women to do a 30-day challenge, do breast massage five days a week for 30 days and see what happens. I know women who have relieved their PMS symptoms in one month and then they do it for three months and they've balanced their hormones. It's about the connection with the cell. It's about taking the time to slow down. It's about feeling the breath. And it's about recognizing that as women, we have these really key power centers of the body and the breasts are one of them. The breasts and heart are kind of unified as one key power center that's crucial to the emotions, the emotional body, to the, the heart, to, to love, to feelings. So when we are taught as women to, you know, wear these push-up bras and underwired bras, excuse me, is what I was trying to say with that big bit of what I used to wear one for years, uh, especially as a smaller breasted young person who wanted to have big boobs and it cuts off your blood. It's not ideal. I don't wear a bra. You don't really need to wear a bra. If you have really big boobs, it's different. I get it. Some people need some support, especially if they're jumping around. But day to day, you know, we don't need these constricting bras. And we've been taught to just kind of, yeah, ignore our breasts, ignore our womb, override these power centers. Whereas I'm saying, let's bring them into the center of our life. So the second practice I would recommend is to do some kind of internal pelvic work on yourself, fingers in. So to start to explore the intravaginal tissues, starting to feel what does it feel like inside? Where am I numb? Where am I feeling pleasure? Where might I be feeling a little bit of pain even, which is completely normal. We get tension and tightness in the intravaginal tissues. And what that does, and this is a great practice for anyone who experiences depression and wants a little boost the next day, is to in the evening is to do your pussy work. So to do, create a nice space for yourself, get some um, oil that doesn't disrupt your pH. So castor oil is a great one. As coconut oil sometimes can knock people's pH off a little bit find a beautiful space, get cozy, put on some music that you love and feels relaxing, do your breast massage, 
Connect with your body, slow everything down, massage your belly, your legs, your bum, and then start to massage the external parts of your pussy, so your vulva, your outer labia, and then slowly with time start to go inside and start to explore the whole of the internal pussy. And it's so relaxing and creates such beautiful hormone release so nourishing, so grounding, that the next day when you wake up, you just have a little spring in your step after a really good sleep. Mm. So it gives people that little bit of natural uh, natural dopamine boost or oxytocin boost that can just make them feel really good. And when we have depression, we need that little bit of hormonal, you know, that little happy hormone boost can really start to set us on a, on a good track. Mm, I love that. I absolutely love that you are de-stigmatizing this. To talk about this in so many circles and realms is frowned upon at the very least. Mm -hmm. But really, we were born with these body parts, with this power, with this ability to reconnect with ourselves and really care for ourselves, nurture ourselves, give us the medicine that we need. We can be our own physicians in that way. And I just think that's incredibly poignant, incredibly powerful, absolutely gorgeous. I love that you name it. I love that you speak about it and that you've made it really the center of the work that you do and that you put out into the world and that you don't shy away from that. Mm-hmm. And that you, you've you made this your crusade. As a mother to a daughter, it's become so difficult to explain certain things like, well, why do you wear a bra? If you don't want to, why do you? And it's difficult to explain the patriarchal expectation that, yes, we're born with breasts, but they have to look a certain way. Or if you let them just fly around, and I am a big-breasted person, that it's going to draw looks from people. And that's my responsibility to ward off those looks or to make other people comfortable or to follow a certain expectation. Is that the message that I want to give to my daughter? Absolutely not. I have told her time and time again, if you choose not to wear a bra, that is perfectly fine with me. Will certain people likely make comments or say something? Sure. But to what end does that matter? Is that the the life that I really want her to be living, a life in which she cares so much about what society says and not what her inner wildness and reconnection to self would say. My entire podcast is about rewilding, and it's been an absolute dream of mine to have you on because I just feel that you are the perfect candidate to discuss this, to discuss the reclamation of the divine feminine and to reconnect with our wildish nature. How can my listeners get more of you? I know that you're constantly running different courses. I'd love to discuss every single type of offering that you have so that we can book you up in full and the whole world can be influenced by this wisdom that you hold. Mm, that's so kind of thank you so much 
Um, I am quite fully booked actually already, but we can always go for next year too. Well, good. I'm so glad to hear that. <laughs> so we can, um, I work one-to-one with people and I work on retreats and I have a lot of self-study courses and live courses. So, you know, if you wanted to dip in, depends on the budget. Sometimes I, I love to make things accessible. So, you know, if you are on the lower end of the budget, you could come to a live workshop. Um, I just posted one called Unearthing the Goddess that was really beautiful. And actually you can buy that now on my website. And then I do my retreats in Italy, which next one's coming up in two weeks. There's a couple of spaces left for that one. I'm hosting a training at the moment, actually, that's starting in a little bit over a month, about 40 days away, my first training called the Cosmic Feminine Training. Cosmic Feminine Facilitator Training. Excuse me, it's a bit of a mouthful. (laughs) (laughs) So the early bird is open for that for another week. And there are some scholarships available as well. So I do encourage anyone who wants to come and learn with me in a deep way for three months and learn to do what I do to, to apply that. I love that. Why have you chosen Italy for your nectar retreat? That's just like a personal, I'm very interested in that. Well, Italy is a really key goddess culture. Mm. Key goddess culture. um, You know, same. all, all cultures are goddess cultures deep down, but it feels like Italy has a very, very strong relationship with the Black Madonna, which is one of the kind of key patron goddesses that I've been working with for a long time and that I work with in my dark feminine medicine course so I love to go to her shrines and her churches throughout southern Italy Mm. and there's so much history there of the goddess do you know much about the little um, goddess figurines that were found no no not in Europe no okay so there's Thousands and thousands of these um, Neolithic and Paleolithic little clay and stone and wooden goddess sculptures have been found all throughout Europe. And Italy has a lot of them because Italy had a very strong goddess culture for thousands of years, obviously pre-Roman. So it's interesting that they had, you know, Rome, this thought of as the beginning of civilization in many ways. Well, not the beginning, but one of the key civilizations of the world. And actually there's this very advanced civilization that occurred significantly earlier that was around the goddess and around this earth-based reverence of the seasons and of fertility and of life itself. So Italy is really key to the story of all of that. And it's beautiful, of course. Yes, of course. Of course. If I could choose, yeah, Italy would definitely be on the top of my list of places to host a retreat as well. But that's really interesting to know that there are roots in the goddess and and different goddesses and that ancient history, which I didn't know. Are there other temples that you frequent somewhere closer to you or in other places of the world? Well, where I live is very close to Glastonbury. And so Glastonbury is a very important spiritual site as well for England and for, well, England and Ireland and Scotland and Wales. We have our own really interesting goddess culture, ancient goddess culture as well. That's been very buried under patriarchal Christianity, but there's a lot coming to light these days, a lot more research being done around this. So 
I was born in England and I came back to these lands that I was born on to really root my work into deeper into land and deeper into place for this reason that it's close to this culture that is, you know, in my blood, in my bones. Um, yeah, so Glastonbury is a really important site for me as well. Interesting. I love that you say that, that you're in the place in which you were born because I had lived for several years out in California and just recently moved back to my hometown. And it's bittersweet, of course, when you've lived someplace like California, which is very tropical and very sunny and beautiful to where I live now. There are difficult aspects of that for sure. But the way that you are, and of course, I don't think that Michigan is a particularly strong goddess historical site, but to be able to connect with my personal roots and be able to reconnect with the cycles and seasons of my life in a way that California wasn't able to afford me has really been a very beautiful, like you have said throughout this entire interview, to keep things very simple and free. I love that. I feel that living in a place where you have your origin stories and your roots does give you connection to simple and free ritual. And so I appreciate you mentioning that. Yeah, my pleasure. I just thought, I mean, I wonder what the Indigenous people who lived in Michigan originally, what their goddesses were and whether there's anything there that could be, you know, that you could connect to there. That could be really interesting. Absolutely. And I've been trying to reconnect to the land in that way while keeping an Indigenous perspective. There's been a few, I mean, it's it's very prominently Native American origins in the way that all of the names of the cities are very clearly native and indigenous. Here in this particular area where I live was the Sauk people, S-A-U-K, and not much is known about them, but I have had the pleasure of digging in and trying to find out more. And I do wonder what kind of roots in the goddess could be there. And it's exciting to see what I'll unearth because of course I believe that everywhere that we dig in we can get to that feminine root that was once sort of covered up by patriarchy where can my listeners find you what's your website what's your Instagram let's go ahead and share those so that way we can get to all of those links that you've mentioned I love so my website is moon-body.com and my Instagram is at moon underscore body. Thank you so much, Miriam. It has been such a lovely talk with you. I am so deeply honored that you agreed to be on my podcast and I can't wait to see the work that you continue to create. Thank you, Liz. It's been a pleasure. Mm-hmm.